churches. What are we? Is this a building? No. Uh, what's church? Church is family, right? We are part of the body of Christ, and so we are brothers and sisters uh, in this family of God. And so there are times that we party together like we will next month at Family Fiesta and have fun. There, we rejoice with those who rejoice, but we're also called to mourn with those who mourn. And uh, last Sunday, this is tough to talk about, but last Sunday I got a phone call from a local pastor and he said, could you give me a call? He says, someone in our church on the way home from church was taken from us just like that in a car wreck. And, um, and so Holly Krieger, who is part of the Shift family and part of their leadership there, was coming home with her husband. Uh, somebody else coming home from church, a church in Lebanon, met at the right time, and uh, Holly's life was taken. The other driver of the vehicle was taken as well, and uh, our heart goes out for them today, and it's just a, as we sing that song about breath, it is a gift from God, and so I, I just want to take a minute. I have a hard time praying and not getting emotional, but let's let's just... Pray for the Shift Family Church, these two churches who are gathering this morning with people that uh, aren't part of their family uh, this morning like they were last week. And so would you just bow your heads with me and let's mourn with those who mourn. Um, God, I just, I'll be the first to admit I don't understand it other than we live in a broken world and this... This life will pass, but God, our hearts today go out for the Shift Church and Brad and Holly's family. I pray for Zach. I pray for Holly's kids. I pray for that whole church family that um, just going through great loss this week. And and Holly is a member of our church. Even a few years back, uh, our hearts hurt as well. And so, uh, for this other individual who is lost in this wreck, uh, hearts go out for her and her family. And Pastor Sargent, who uh, led that service, funeral service yesterday. God, would you comfort, would you comfort us and these church bodies? You are the God of all comfort. And so, would you pour out your peace? Hold your kids close. Help us to evaluate life, even us today as we gather here, just not knowing what tomorrow may bring, even this afternoon. So God, be the God of comfort. Help those kids who've lost a mom. Help help this church family who's grieving. And we thank you that you are near to us. You know our name, you know our thoughts, you see every tear that falls, and you hear us when we call, and so we praise you for that, even in the midst of pain. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name, amen, amen. For those of you who knew Holly Krieger, there will be a service next Saturday at West Albany High School. She worked at the high school, and she's worked with Young Life. She was, as I mentioned, uh, part of our church for a season, and so Uh, Just sad when something like that happens right away. All the more reason why us to look into God's word today to 
look to him for wisdom in life. And so we are going to do that. We're going to continue and finish up a series that we started about three months ago called Wisdom for the Path of Life. And it reminds me then ever so much how we need wisdom just to get through every situation that we go through. If you have your Bible with you today, I invite you to turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. If you need to use that Bible sitting in front of you, go ahead and do that. We will be on page 528. 528. Talk about wisdom. And so, with a heavy heart I speak today, and yet with a enlivened heart, knowing that um, our life, each of us, this is one thing that will happen with all of us, our life will come to an end. And some of you have experienced that this last week. Some of you, we don't know what's going to happen around the corner, but life will come to an end. And so we need to handle this one life with wisdom that comes from God. This image we've been putting up here on the screen for three months now is just this idea of this path where... Uh, you get to crossroads in your life. You're not sure, should I go to the left or should I go to the right? And sometimes you know that. You know that one path leads to death. And sometimes we still choose that. And we've been looking at this idea, what if we just ask God constantly, God, where would you have me to go? Where would you desire that I leave? Because God desires that you would choose the path of life. Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father unless through me. And so Jesus says, follow me, let me give you wisdom in all things. I do want to bring some levity to all of this because life not only is tragic but funny at times. I'm looking at this image of this path and I remember the great Yogi Berra, not the cartoon character, but the baseball player. He says, when you come to a fork in the road... Take it. Mm, consider that one. All right. Let me give you some wisdom that I found this uh, last week that I thought might be fun for you. You might like taking notes on this one too. Here's some wisdom. It says, keep smiling in life. Keep smiling. It makes people wonder what you've been up to. Even try that today. Just look at somebody smile and they're like, well, why is that person smiling? What the... I remember an eighth grade teacher said, you know what, you smile at times and it just makes me wonder, what's this kid up to? Keep smiling, it makes people wonder what you've been up to. I read this, don't do anything well the first time you try it. Keep that in mind. Don't do anything well the first time you try because no one will ever appreciate how difficult it was. All right? So as you're working with people, don't. Do it too well the first time would be that wisdom. Here's one. I like this. Don't argue with idiots. Let me finish the thought. I mean, that's good enough wisdom right there. But don't argue with witty idiots. It goes on to say, they will bring you down to their level and they will beat you with their experience. <laughs> so don't argue with idiots. Albert Einstein, I remember him, he writes the uh, theory of relativity, which whoosh, I don't know what that really means, but Albert Einstein also said this, put your hand on a hot stove for a minute and it seems like an hour, that makes sense. He says, sit with a pretty girl for an hour and it seems like a minute. He says, now that's relativity. And I, yeah, I agree with that. And then one more I found, it says this, the only normal people are the ones you don't know very well. 
And isn't that true? Sometimes we come to church and we look around and you would say, well, they're normal and they're normal and they're, I know that I'm not. I know that I'm messed up and I know that I'm broken, but you look around and you say, they're normal until you get to know them. And you would understand that church is filled with nothing but broken people. People who aren't normal. We're all messed up. In fact, here's what I'd like you to do. Just look around for a moment. Would you do that for a second? Would you just look around and just realize, man, that person's broken too. I know that you look around and say, man, they must have it together. They don't. Look up here and you realize, man, maybe he has it together. I don't. Everybody's normal until you get to know them. And so for all of us who call Willamette Community Church home, for everyone who calls Jesus Christ Savior, we're just people saying, you know what, we're broken. We need a Savior, amen? And that's why we're here today. I hope that's part of the reason you're here today is saying, I'm not here to try to uh, hide this from anybody, but I'm just here because I, I'm broken. I need help. I need this Jesus. And so let's look to him for wisdom. Let's look into his word today. I want to wrap up some of the Proverbs that I've been sharing with you for the last three months and uh, finish with this one chapter. But let me say a few things that I've been saying over the last few months. Would you take note to some of these today? One, I want to say this. There's a battle for our heart. There's a battle for our heart. I've been saying this over and over, but there's a battle for your heart again today and tomorrow There are these crossroads you face where your heart could go into a good place or a bad place. There's a constant battle for your heart. There's one who wants to destroy it. That is the devil. And there is one who says, I formed that heart. I love that heart. I know that heart. So there's a constant battle for your heart. In the 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs, 93 times the word heart is used. As if this is the key, there's this battle for your heart. 93 times in this book, the idea of heart. Thus, God calls us to guard our heart. God calls us to guard our heart. I've said this over and over over the last few months. God calls you to guard your heart. The times when you're anxious, guard your heart. The times where you start to get upset, guard your heart. The times where you face tragedy, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. You've got to make sure that this heart is in a good condition. I believe it's part of the reason we show up on Sundays just to say, you know what, I'm coming to connect with God to guard my heart. Even God said, you know what, take one day off. Stop working. Just rest. Focus on me. It was this idea of guarding your heart. Guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. God also calls us to humbly walk in his ways. This is one of the things we've been talking about, and I'll mention this again today, that God calls us to humbly walk in his ways. To understand that there is a maker of you, there is a savior of you, and that should cause you to put yourself in a place of humility where you are saying, you know what, I need God. I need his strength, and I need his power, and I need his guidance, and I need his love. And if you humbly walk in his ways, you're constantly saying those things to God. Today, God, I need your strength. I need your power. I need your guidance. I need your love. And God says, humble yourself so that you will put yourself in that position. Humble yourself so that you'll put yourself in a position that you need God's people as well. We've talked about this. When you start saying, I'm fine. I'm on my own. You're not in a good place. And so we humbly walk in God's ways and We need his people for support. 
for encouragement, for friendship. Just think this last week. Was there a time where you probably should have reached out to a friend? And you just said, nah, I'll do it on my own. I'll go all John Wayne and try to be the strong person. It's not humbly walking in the ways of God. And then after this, God calls us to guard our heart and humbly walk in his ways. God promises some things. And he promises, well, I'm going to save this for a little bit later, okay? We'll just leave that blank. But God promises some things. He says, you guard your heart and you humbly walk in my ways. And I promise these things. I, did, I want you to have those Proverbs. I wrote some references down in small print there. These are just some of the Proverbs that I have been preaching from. Some of the, my favorite Proverbs. I would hope that you would look those up. That you would put some of those to memory. And I would hope that you would continue to read this. Just because we are done talking about this book. I'd hope that you'd remember there are 31 Proverbs. 31 chapters of this. Almost as if there's one for every day of the month. And so today being the 26th, for wisdom, you read the 26th proverb. Tomorrow you read 27th and and just go through and let God speak to you and show you words of wisdom on how to get along with each other, how to get along with God, how to figure out which path is the right path. Well, let's look at Proverbs chapter 3 today as we finish up this series. Proverbs chapter 3, page 528 if you're following along in this black Bible that I'm using here. Follow along as I read the first few verses here. Start at verse 1, if you would. It says this, Solomon says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart, there's that word heart, keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. I want to quickly say this, and I said this early on, as Solomon writes this, this isn't an equation that if you do this, this, and this, this will automatically happen. That if you rub the magic genie the right way, then this will happen. But he gives these generalities saying, if you would follow God's ways, for the most part, God will work in this way and it will be good. And I think all of you can understand that, that when you have done things God's way, for the most part, it is good. It's not without difficulty, but it's good. And I could ask you and say, when you did things and you just said, I'm not doing it God's way, I'm just doing it my own way, you probably could all say, it didn't turn out very good. And that's kind of what Solomon is saying here. Verse 3, let not steadfast love, he says, and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There's that word again. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. I want to share with you four thoughts here about God giving us wisdom and conclude with this. This chapter is rich and we're going to hit most of the verses here in this chapter. But I want you to hear again how God is going to give you wisdom. What you would have to do to gain this wisdom from God. Let's start with this one. One, God will give me wisdom as I seek to learn from him. God is going to give you wisdom as you seek to learn from him. Okay. I mean, if you just stand there, it may not happen. But if you seek God, you say, God, I will learn from you. He will give you wisdom to help you navigate life. Look at verses 1 and 3 again. Verse 1, my son, do not forget In other words, there's something you pursue here. You keep this in your mind. Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep 
keep hold of my commands. That's you seeking. That's you learning. Verse 3. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them. This is what you do. You bind them around your neck. You write them on the tablet of your heart. Solomon's saying there's an active part you play. If you want wisdom from God, if you want wisdom on how to navigate life, you actively get involved in this by seeking God and learning from him. You bind these things around your neck. You write them on your heart. I remember being in high school, I asked one of my baseball coaches one year, I said, coach, I'm going to be gone for the summer, won't be able to play in the summer league, but I would like to become a better baseball player, and I'm going to be in a place where I won't get to play baseball. So what should I do? And so the coach went home, and I was seeking wisdom, and I was asking for it, and he write, types out this great list for me, and he says, do this, do these many push-ups, and do this and this, and it'll make you strong, and then, you know, do this and this, and it'll help your hand-eye coordination, and he wrote it all out, but it was difficult work. And I remember, good for me, I sought out wisdom, how I could become a better baseball player. Good for him to help me. But then when I looked at the list, I said, that's too difficult. I don't want to do that many push-ups. I don't want to run that much. I don't want to work that much. At the end of the summer, my coach saw me, and he just shook his head and went, oh, scrawny Scott. You sought some advice, but you didn't really apply it, did you? And I'm like, piece of paper's right here. A little too difficult. I think that's it sometimes for us. God says, I'll give you wisdom. Seek it. Learn. But you bind this around your neck. You write this on your uh, heart. You write this down. You pursue me. Look at James chapter 1, if you would. James chapter 1, it says, If anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. You want wisdom? You say, God, I want to learn how to work better in my relationships. And I want to learn how to handle my resources better. And I, I want to ask him, seek him, read the book of Proverbs over and over and take note. And God will give you wisdom as you seek to learn from him. This active part we play is partly asking, learning. John chapter 15 verse 5, Jesus says this, another part of this active involvement. He says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing he says, stay connected to the life source. You stay connected to the life source. And Jesus says, my life will flow through you. Part of showing up on Sundays is you stay connected to God and let his life flow through you. And when you say, you know what, I'm fine. I don't really need to connect with God. All of a sudden, you try this today. Go in your yard. Take a plant and just rip off part of the branch and just put it on your table. And it will die. I have a branch in my office that I did this. There was a grapevine across the street, neighbor's grapevine. Hopefully, I didn't make them too mad, but I took it off. It was just beautiful. I've left it on my ledge in my office, and it's just as brittle as can be. Jesus says, you pursue. If you want wisdom, you stay connected to me. You want my life to flow through, you stay connected to me. Read my word. Talk to me. Talk to my people. There's this active part in growing in wisdom of staying close 
to God. Look at verse 2. He says, and what happens is the length of days and years of life and peace, they will be added to you. Good things will happen as you stay connected. Verse 4, look at this one, verse 4. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Isn't this what we want? We want blessing? I would say it this way, that wisdom results in life and peace. Wisdom will result in life and peace. This is what God wants for you, but I know this is what you want for you. You want the abundant life. Then go for wisdom. Get it. And you will receive life. And you will receive peace. Not the absence of a storm, but just an anchor in the midst of a storm. Let's go to verse 5 and learn something else here. Familiar verses. Some of you might have this underlined in your Bible already, highlighted. If not, these are great verses to underline. Verses 5 and 6. Let's read this. Trust in the Lord. Solomon says, trust in this God with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Let's say it this way, if we could, if you're taking notes. God will give me wisdom as I depend on him alone. God is going to grant to you wisdom as you depend on him alone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I think one of the most crippling phrases or some of the most crippling phrases you and I can say are things like this. I'm fine. I'm fine. Or I can do it myself. And I know this happens at church. We see each other. How are you doing? Good. Fine. If we slow down to ask, how are you doing? I'm fine. I can do it myself. And when you start to say that, there's some pride welling up in you saying, I'm fine on my own. I've got what it takes to make it. Look at this passage. It says, trust in the Lord. Don't lean on your own understanding. You see, there's this trust that you and I have in ourselves instead of God, instead of his ways, instead of trusting and relying on his people. But I'll tell you this. You and I will not find wisdom if you think that you are good enough, strong enough, and wise enough. You will not find it. If you walk in here and just put up a facade each week and say, I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, I'm wise enough. Just, hi, how are you doing? How's the football team looking? Okay, let's, if you just keep it surface level, you will never find wisdom. In fact, you won't find salvation from Jesus, will you? If you say, I'm good enough, and I'm strong enough, and I'm wise enough, I don't need Jesus. But for those of you who have said, you know what, I'm not good enough, and I'm not strong enough, and I don't have it together. For some of you that said, you know what, I need Jesus. He entered your life. He gave you a new heart. He wrote you in his book of life. He included you into his family. But the only way you got there was humility. Saying, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not wise enough. 
And I think part of the problems with Christians, then we say that once, maybe when we're four or in some moment of weakness, but then after that, we try to put on a facade and say, I'm fine now. Stop it. I'm still not fine. I need God constantly. I need you constantly. And vice versa. You see, humility then is this key to gaining wisdom. It's the key to receiving salvation from Jesus. You can't do it all. You don't know it all. You can't save yourself. So depend on God alone. Let me show you a passage in 1 Peter chapter 5. This is one of Jesus' disciples. He said this, humble yourselves. He's talking to the church. He's talking to believers. Humble, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. You do that. Put your place in a seat of humility that God may lift you up in due time. And so because of this, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. But it starts with this. In humility, just say, you know what? I need God. I can't figure out my finances. I need God. I can't figure out my marriage. I need God. I can't figure out how to be a parent. I need God. I can't figure out how to be a friend. I need God. I can't figure out how to keep a job. I need God. I can't figure out about anything. I need God. Isn't that a good place to be? And yet you and I were like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. And you look around and think, man, everybody else is normal, but except me. What's going to happen here as we do this, as we depend on God, is that wisdom results in direction and rest. And as you humble yourself before God, he starts to give you direction. He says, let me show you the path to go. Stop acting like you're self-sufficient. Stop acting like you've got it all together. Humble yourself and let me show you the way that leads to life. And let me give you rest for your soul. You're trying all of these things. You're just trying to keep up this good image. And wisdom will result in direction and rest. I know that some of you even right now as, we're, as I'm talking, some of you are saying, I'm not sure what to do for the next steps. I struggle with that. I've got some next steps in my own life. What do I do with this relationship? What do I do about this decision? What do I do about this planning? I don't know. But I know as I humble myself and say, God, I don't know. Would you give me a direction? He's like, thank you. Thank you for putting yourself in humility. Now let me show you the way to go. And I will give you rest. I imagine some of you are even asking, what's the meaning of life? Stop acting like you are a know-it-all. Let God direct you in this. And he will say, first of all, it starts by acknowledging that you're a mess and that you've sinned against me. And yet I will make you clean and I will forgive all of your sins. Let me do that first. I will give you direction and I will give you rest for your soul. Depend on God alone. Let's go to verse 9. Look at the next section here. Verse 9. King Solomon says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Let's say it this way, that God will give me wisdom as I release hold of my possessions, as I release hold 
of my possessions. You see the my there with quotations around it. God will give me wisdom as I learn to let go of that which I think is mine. That word my there. Is anything you own, is it really yours? Chris, as we were worshiping this morning through song, we talked about Psalm 24, I believe it's Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You belong to God. The breath that you have belongs to God. The home that you live in belongs to God. Every possession that you think is yours is really, he's just loaning it to you for a while. He's saying use that for a while. And so the question is, can you trust in the Lord to let go of what you think are your goods? And what's going to happen is God's going to give you wisdom as you start saying, okay, you're God. This isn't mine. And he says, okay, I will start directing you in the right steps now. Let's think about money for a second because some of you are thinking, okay, this is Scott's pitch to say we need to start giving money. I don't think that's it right here. That you, let me start down here. I think that you have a power to earn wealth. And part of that is you earn well. You are called to earn well. You have certain earning powers. Earn well. Honor God with your earning power. Don't sit around doing nothing. Earn well. I think it goes on to honoring God with our wealth. Save well. Save well. I don't know what that looks for every one of us, but just, Lord, help me to save well. Not too much, not too little, but give me wisdom. What's it mean to save well? To spend well. You see, we all have wealth and we spend it. And I think we can honor the Lord with our spending. Spend it well. Oh, there are great adventures you can take. And yes, go to the beach and go up to the mountains and buy yourself some things here and there, but spend it well. Honor the Lord with the spending of your wealth. And then I think there is a component of honoring the Lord with the giving of your wealth. And I'll just say this. I want to thank you because you as a church, I believe in many ways you honor the Lord with your wealth. And a lot of times how I see it, I don't necessarily see it, how you earn it or what you save I see sometimes how you spend. I don't know what you give, but here's what I know. That I'm, I don't have to get up here every month and say, Oh, church, let me give you a convicting message on why you need to give more money because we're hurting. You give well. We've said, you know what? We won't even put a plate in front of you. We'll just put it on the back wall. And you respond well to that. And I don't know what anybody gives, but I do know this, that when we closed our books in June, we said we finished in the black and we finished well. And then now we're to honor the Lord with that wealth. And so we've been given all of this. How can we save that and spend that well in our community and around the world? And so just want to say I, I applaud you, brothers and sisters, for honoring the Lord with your wealth. But here's the question. Will we earn well and save well and spend well and give well? And what happens is when we start saying, God, I'm going to release what I kind of thought was mine, my bank account, my possessions, my energy. As we release that, God says, oh, I'm showing you wisdom here. I'm going to show you what really matters in life. Let me show you a couple of verses here. Matthew 6, Jesus said this. 
Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Don't hoard. Don't do that. Don't just live for the here and now because this will come to an end. Jesus says, you want wisdom? Listen to these words. Don't store up for yourself just this. Here's a passage in 1 Timothy chapter 6. The Apostle Paul said this, For the love of money, the love of it, the love of it, the idolization of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money, and we've probably all been there at times, some people eager for this have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You've pursued this so much that you love it, you've idolized it, that it's actually done damage to your heart. It's done damage to your faith. And so Solomon says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Honor the Lord with how you earn and how you save and how you spend and how you give. Verse 9, look at that again with me. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Verse 10, then he says, then your barns will be filled with plenty. I'm thinking, I don't even have a barn. Got a shed. It's kind of like a barn. Your vats will be bursting with wine. I don't have a vat either, but that sounds pretty cool. The idea here is that wisdom is going to result in a heavenly provision. When Solomon is writing this inspired by God, he says, as you honor the Lord, the Lord is going to provide for you from heaven in great ways. Not this idea that if you put $10 in that joy box, you'll get a $20 check back in the mailbox immediately. It's not one of these one plus one equals two. But he says, let me just tell you, you honor the Lord and I want you to know that the Lord is good to you and he will provide for you. And he will provide and knock you out with his provision. Honor the Lord with your wealth and he will, and he will bless. Wisdom results in heavenly provision. Let me go to this last thought on number four here. Verse 11. Would you read verse 11? My son, it says, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves As a father, the son in whom he delights. I want to stop there and dissect some of these words here because there's wisdom in here if we would look at this. And I'll say it this way, that God will give me wisdom as I accept how he chooses to move. This is how I'd like to word it today. God will give me wisdom as I accept how he chooses to move. And this word discipline is in there. That's kind of a scary word for some of us. But if we would accept how God chooses to move in our life. You see some words right there in your Bible. Discipline or reproves. Maybe the word rebuke is in your Bible there. And the idea is that God loves you. And because God loves you, he will discipline you to correct you. Stay with me. Think through this for a bit. I had this wonderful dad growing up. And my brother and I, when we would mess up, when we would do things incorrect, we would fight, we would steal, we would cheat, we would lie. We did all that stuff, right? We were mean to mom, all of that stuff. When we did, dad would discipline us or train us. I want to use this idea of training to correct us. 
He says, listen, you have this choice in front of you. You went down the wrong path. I was hoping you'd go down the right path. I want to correct you so that you won't go down the wrong path anymore. And so sometimes he'd say, now you don't get to do this, or you don't get to be a part of this, or you get reacquainted with my belt selection, that kind of thing, right? Now, when dad disciplined us to correct us, I had a choice every single time because when my dad would discipline us, he would use these words. He would say, I love you. And I had a choice every single time as I look back. Will I accept that he loves me or will I resent the fact that he took it out on my backside? Will I accept what he did out of love or will I get mad at him? Now, granted, I got mad at him for a while, and some of you did too, right? And I understand that some of you had earthly fathers that were terrible. Or maybe you didn't even have one. But this idea when correction came, you have a choice to either accept it and grow from it, or a choice to resent that correction. Now, I kind of had a tender heart, and I'd get mad at Dad for a little bit, and then I'd think, you know what? He does love me, and he does want me to go down the right path, and I would choose to accept how he moved in my life, even though it hurt sometimes. And Solomon's saying, sometimes God is going to correct you, and sometimes it will be through hardship, and sometimes it will be difficult And you're going to have this choice. Will you accept what God is doing and moving in your life? Or will you resent that? And say, God, if you were love, you would never do that to me. But this discipline always isn't just correcting. Sometimes just training. I remember my dad on a Sunday morning, he would say, we're going to church. I remember two times specifically where I said, no. One time I wanted to stay home and watch a basketball game. This is before any of that DVR, you know, whatever. Not that I have that now anyway, but anyway, before Sports Center Highlight. And I said, no, I want to stay home. So dad had to train me a little bit. And he said, actually, you are going with me. Get in the car. And we went to church. And the idea was he was training me. And it was difficult. It was a hardship for me. But I always had this choice. Will I accept his training of me? Or will I resent him? i got to tell you, about the first few miles down the road, I resented it, right? But before long, I said, you know what? Dad loves me, and there's best for this. And i got to think part of the reason I am who I am today is because I accepted Dad's training of me. Remember another time then I said, Dad, I'm the only kid in the youth group. That's how small our church was. I'm the only kid in the youth. I'm not going. I think actually my brother was the only other one. And I'm like, I'm not going to that youth group. That's called hanging out in our bedrooms, right? And he says, actually, you're still going. He's trying to train me for something. He's trying to say, you know what? I want you to guard your heart. I want you to be careful. I want to make this God a part of your life. I resented it for a while. But before long, I said, you know what? I will accept how you move in my life, even if you just drag me to church that day. You see, part of what God does is he allows certain things in our life. And sometimes, and we don't even know the difference sometimes, is this God a correction? 
because I did something wrong? Is this just hardship because you're trying to deepen my faith? But you and I have a choice constantly in these hardships. Will you accept how God moves or will you resent that? And if you guard your heart, man, I want to resent this so bad. I want to... I will accept God, and God gives you wisdom as you learn to accept how he moves in your life. I honestly cannot figure it out in this brain of mine why someone going on this road coming home from church and someone going on this road happened to meet at the exact moment. Why? I've struggled with that. I've sat with a grieving family member over that this week. I can't process that. I don't know if this is correction. I don't know if this is training. But I know God allows this. And my heart is torn. Do I accept what God has done and I'm not even that close to it? Or do I resent what God has done? And if I can learn to accept how God moves, God is growing me in wisdom. If you can start saying, you know what, I I can see that you love me. Can see that you love me. I don't get it. As a young kid, I don't get it, Dad, why you won't let me watch that ball game. But I'll accept that you're good and you're loving. Look at this passage, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul, I think, is trying to get this thought home to people like you and me. He's writing a letter to this church. Look at these three verses here. He says, I pray, this is my prayer, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints that you would grasp, that you would get a hold of. How wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for you. Uh, My prayer is that you would grasp how much he loves you. And that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge. It it's even surpasses knowledge. My prayer is that you would grasp that God loves you. Because here's the deal. Tragedy is going to happen. Tragedy is going to happen. But will you know, will you know and will you grasp that God loves you? Will you accept how he moves because he loves you? Some of you are getting a cancer diagnosis or you have or you may. And when you do, how are you going to respond? May you grasp, may you know that God loves you. And if you know that, then you would be able to accept. Accept how God moves. It's not that he forgot about you. It's not that he's being mean to you. I don't know if it's a correction or if it's just training or he's trying to deepen your faith, but would you know that he loves you? And would you accept how he moves? You see, whatever you're going through, I I don't know what that is, but I imagine you could all write something down. This is what I'm going through right now. Do you know that God loves you? He's the perfect father. He's not disciplining you, correcting you out of anger. He's not training you because he's mean or a bad dad. He's trying to deepen your faith and he's wanting you to know, I love you, I love you, I love you. So will you accept, will you accept how I'm moving? I know it looks crazy to you, but I got a plan. Will you accept that? 
And as you and I accept how God moves and as you consider that he is the perfectly loving father, we're growing in wisdom. We're growing in wisdom and saying, okay, now I can navigate this. The next thing that comes up, I know that he loves me. Starting to accept everything that comes from his hand. And what wisdom will do is wisdom results in understanding divine love. As you grow in wisdom, as you ask God for this, what's going to happen is you're going to understand more and more and more that God loves you. I can look back on my life and go, my earthly dad loved me. Why wouldn't he let me do this? Because he had the best interest in mind. Sometimes he was whipping my behind or grounding me because he didn't want me to go that way. Sometimes it was training, but he loved me. Our Heavenly Father, times a gazillion, has that love for you. Will you accept? Will you accept how he moves? Let's finish with verse 13. Read a few verses here. Because then Solomon says this. So I want you to know, after all these commands of you seek God and you depend on him and you release your life to him and you accept how he moves, he says this, blessed. I want you to know this, Solomon says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom. Verse 13. And the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her, that is wisdom. The gain that you'd get from wisdom is better than gain from silver. And her profit better than gold. She's more precious than jewels or rubies. And nothing you desire can compare to her. In fact, in the New Testament, then we're told that Jesus is this wisdom from God. Yes, there's wisdom to make right choices, but even Jesus is our wisdom from God. Verse 16, let me read a couple more verses. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She's a tree of life to those who lay a hold of her. And those who lay hold, those who hold her fast are called blessed. Blessed. See, as we finish this up, I hope that this is not the end of us growing in wisdom. I'd hope that this would be a lifelong pursuit for you. Whether that's reading from the book of Proverbs, going to God, seeking counsel from godly people. Because here's what we know, the wisdom that God gives is a rich blessing. It's a rich blessing so that you can find the path of life, ultimately for God's glory, but for the sake of others. If I had piled up a bunch of silver today, I was thinking of doing this. I thought, man, I wonder if I could just make a mountain of pure silver and get some gold blocks. And, you know, and I didn't have that at my house. But here's the thing. Wisdom is greater than that. And that if you would pursue that, if you would pursue that, that is rich blessing. For God's glory. For the sake of you and all those that you come in contact with. Let me just reiterate some of those things we took notes on. Seek God for wisdom. There's rich blessing in that. My brothers and sisters, seek God all the days of your life for rich blessing. Depend on Him alone. My brothers and sisters, depend on Him alone. Release your life to Him. And accept how God moves in your life. And you will find rich blessing. 
Now here's what I'd like us to do. I'd like us to bow our heads and just contemplate this for a minute before I close in prayer. Let God speak to your heart for a moment. Because as I look through that list, and maybe as you are too, you're saying, I, I hear you, Lord. Maybe he's saying, seek me. Spend time in my word. Spend time with my people. There's rich blessing in that. Depend on him alone. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Is the Lord saying that to you today? Release what you call your life to him. Maybe that's for the very first time to receive the salvation from Jesus Christ. But maybe it's again just saying, you know what, Lord? I started taking hold of my own life again and just... Is he saying release to you today? Maybe it's the words accept. Accept how I move. Because there are times I'm trying to correct you and times I'm trying to train you. Would you trust me as a loving father? For in that there is rich blessing. Heavenly Father, I... Thank you for your word and for the last three months just getting to look at this. I would hope again that this would become more than head knowledge and verses memorized and read, and, but that it would go down to our heart, that it would change our heart, that we would be people who guard our heart. God, I know this for myself and for my brothers and sisters. There's just constantly this choice in front of us. Where do I go? Where do I go with this relationship? Where do I go with this financial decision? Where do I go with this health decision? Whatever it might be. And we just want to be people to say that we need you. Break all the pride in our heart that says we can figure it out, that we can do it alone. Would you break that in me and in my brothers and sisters? Help us to see that we need you and we need each other. So God, I I thank you for the seeds that were planted in our heart as we have been reading your word. Continue to grow those seeds that they would produce great fruit in our hearts. God, we want to honor you in all things. We want to make choices that honor you. We want to make choices that would reflect you well. So would you give me and my brothers and sisters wisdom? Help us as we follow you, live our one life for you. We commit all this to you in Jesus' name. Amen.